Every cancer survivor story is different. Some children are diagnosed as infants and do not remember their illness. Other childhood cancer survivors were in their teens or 20s. Cancer had a huge impact on their lives. There are more than 500,000 childhood cancer survivors in the United States alone. Often, childhood cancer survivors have unique challenges because of the treatment they received. Knowing their stories can help fellow cancer survivors deal with similar issues. Even though each cancer survivor story may be different, they all have one thing in common. They are all cancer survivors. You're listening to the What's Your Story podcast, and another moment to heal together starts now. So my name is Maddie. I am 22. I am a psychology student in Northampton Community College in Pennsylvania. I actually graduate um, this coming December, so I'm super excited about nice. that. Nice, yeah. So as far as, and this will be, you'll be like, I'd, I'd say this is unique in the sense that I haven't, you're probably the youngest person I talk to, and you're going to you look at me like I'm, you're, I'm not young, but um, because you are graduating college, but it's a, it's an interesting perspective because so many times I talk to people that, you know, they're, they're looking back at, you know, that time in their life or, you know, way younger than that. Um, so your perspective is kind of like, you know, lack of a better term, like in the moment, mm -hmm. um, you know, as far as what we discuss as things are going through. So where does your story begin, Maddie? I would probably say my story begins from a very young age. When I was three years old, I was diagnosed with brain cancer. And that's where most of my life has kind of begun. When you hit that three, three-year-old stage, you're still little, like you're still learning like everything. You're learning how to talk, how to walk, sure. everything. So when I was diagnosed, the part of my brain that the tumor was in was actually the part that controls all of your function of balance and walking. So I completely lost like the ability to basically do anything. And I was here in Pennsylvania, we don't have many good where I was at the time, the hospital, we only had one hospital and they had no resources really to be able to do anything, Yeah, which most hospitals probably wouldn't under short circumstances like that. Sure, yeah. So I was actually diagnosed the day after Christmas in 2003. Sure. So I can't imagine what that was probably like for my parents looking yeah. back on that. Um, and then they brought me actually down to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, which is actually a very well-known um, hospital for childhood cancer. And they had yeah. everything that they could do for me there. And fortunately enough, all I had to have was um, surgery to have it removed. And fast forward to where I am now, I haven't had any problems as far as that is concerned. Um, so Wonderful. praise God and everything else. Yeah. Um, and then I would say probably all through school is pretty normal school. I mean, you kind of just yeah. go through it. Um, for me, it was a little bit different just because I did have the cancer. And because 
they yeah. took out the part of my brain that controls a lot of your like motor function with your balance. So for me, anything that controlled or had to do with balance, I really couldn't participate in. So like gym class, completely out for me. Yeah. Um, although looking back, probably didn't miss much. <laughs> Right. I mean, <laughs> so, especially that it's just like, you know, running around, like, you know, throwing balls right. and maybe some organized game here and there. Yeah. Right. That's a good way to look at it. That was very positive. Um, I also, I had some incredible teachers who I'm still in contact with to this day that were just like, you're my like biggest cheerleaders through the whole thing. And then I had also teachers who told me that I wasn't going to graduate. I would never amount to anything. So it was kind of a balance between like when, especially in high school, because you kind of start and people are like, oh, high school yeah. is horrible. You're, this is what's going to happen. People get bullied. Honestly, I had more problems with teachers bullying me than kids. I don't think, Jeez. like, fortunately enough, I know a lot of people can't say this. I was never had an issue with my peers as far as students went. It was actually the teachers who yeah. would take on to the um, aspect of bullying. So I think for a while I was kind of like, why should I listen to almost like authority? Since they want to just like yeah, understand fun of yeah. me for certain situations, and then once I started college, all of that kind of changed because I started realizing that people wanted you to succeed. Like yeah. they saw your your potential and your value to succeed, which was really different for me. And even though yeah. I went to a community college, um, everybody there was from the same area, so. You had things to talk about. You had things in common, but they were also kids you yeah. didn't grow up going to school with, like in high school. So for me, that's yeah. that's probably where I would want to say, like, my uh, good part of life kind of started after that. And that's that's it's painful to hear too. You know that, like, I mean, so I I used to be a middle school teacher, wife and I both for like ten years, and middle school is is the worst time for anybody, but. It's also a time of, you know, like, I mean, for a lot of people that you remember that friendship or that experience or things like that, but to, and, you know, getting to college, it might be challenging, but most people like welcome that as far as, you know, being able to think on their own and be on their own, you know, but here you are saying that that's where things started. It's like, it's painful to hear that, you know, from the teacher perspective, you know, former teacher, but at the same time. There's no part of me that like, you know, hearing that was like, yeah, that's not right. Like teachers aren't like that. And but they are, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe not even directly, but I can't tell you how many times that I had, at least, you know, for me and my wife and I taught same kind of um, same age group and same uh, teaching philosophy, uh, Montessori, but we had two different, you know, lives when it came to that. But I, I can't tell you how many times I had people you know, kids being coming into my class. So seventh and eighth grade is what middle school is. Right. And you had like rising seventh graders and sometimes it was a teacher, you know, that the kid, had, the kid had then, you know, first, second, third grade or whatever, or sometimes it was like that, that teacher um, that I currently have um, that was telling me like, you know, you know, Charlie's, you know, coming in, Charlie's, Charlie's a lot to take, take care of. Like, you know, he's, he's going to be difficult and like listing all these things that they did wrong. And I'm like, did you check out on them already? And for me, like hearing that was like, well, great. Like I can't wait to meet Charlie. And not because I was ready for the challenge because I was like, I, you know, I can't wait to actually like get to talk to them and, and, and get to know them when, where it seems like you just wanted to know the fact that they, 
had a day that they didn't, you know, perform the best or, you know, acted that way. But so I can't disagree with you. And I hate, I mean, that's, that's terrible to say, but yeah. So then fast forward. So where, where, where you, where, where we're at here. Um, you said that that's where, I mean, you're, I mean, life basically began. Mm -hmm. Um, so go from there then. So being where I, when I started college, I didn't necessarily have a specific plan, which I don't think a lot of people yeah. do, <laughs> especially mm -hmm. when well, you first you start. <laughs> so I kind of went through like <laughs> testing, like some different areas, seeing what I liked, seeing what I absolutely did not like that I thought I would like. Um, yeah. And then I felt I've always loved psychology. I just didn't know where I wanted to go with that. So I ended up um, having my gallbladder removed. So I actually was about two years ago. So I was actually out of pretty much being able to do everything after that surgery for like about a week, two weeks afterwards. And I remember finding because I was home and I remember just being online in between schoolwork and everything else. I ended up finding like a video of uh, old Marine. And he was saying, he was talking about his mental health and how his mental health is so much worse after he talks to his therapist. And for me, that hurt because as a person who absolutely loves to help people and hear people out and who is a huge advocate for mental health and everything, especially like because I have my own, I have anxiety, I have depression. So for me, it's extremely important. And so for me, it hurt because like they give us so much and they don't get anything in return and they never ask. Yeah. So I actually did some more research into that and through him and actually commute, I actually was able to get into like communication with this individual. And through that, we actually formed like a, a very nice friendship and wow. we have actually talked and he's been very like, um, very good in like advice and like guidance. So now my goal is to actually work with trauma and PTSD within the military community so that's my next and no, step. <laughs> and no connection, like, you know, as far as like, I mean, that's it. Like you just, you saw this video. I mean, no, you, I mean, maybe family members that like, you know, been in, you know, seen like, you know, war, things like that. But I mean, as simple as that, the connection and like the desire to help people in that capacity was just, you saw this one individual yeah. struggling in that way. Yeah. It was like this strong, like, it was almost like an overwhelming feeling where it was like, you probably can't reach out and necessarily help him specifically, but you can help others so they're not in his specific position. Yeah. And as far as like family goes, I mean, my I've had family members in the military, none that fortunately have ever had to, to deal with any like lasting effects from being in yeah. the military. But the majority of my high school class either went to college or the military. So the military was a very pronounced, because yeah. in my school, they were like, you either go to college, but if you don't, look into the military because you have no they other way, yeah. it kind of made you feel like you didn't have an option so yeah. for us the military was like you basically it was college or the military so you kind of chose your your path yeah so then if you know looking at that moment then you know being that it's like this strong like connection and like you see like this this is what i want to do where do you think that came from where do you think that that connection formed. I mean, here you have these traumatic experiences in, in your own life that, that shaped and form you, but obviously by no means like, you know, what this individual in this, in, in, on this video has experienced, but somehow they, they've kind of like meshed into two. Where, where do you see that? Where do how do you see that connection? How did that, how did that 
possibly happen for you, you think? I think when he first started talking about um, what he went through and what he saw, I could kind of relate a little. Um, So he actually was in Afghanistan and he was in a vehicle that rode over a bomb and he was blown up. So he came home with a severe brain injury, traumatic brain injury. So as somebody who Um, also has traumatic brain injury, I think I made like that connection where it's like, oh, we can kind of, it's not the same, but like we can kind of relate in a odd sort of way with, with that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the beginning of the, like, you know, beginning of your story and here was like, you know, towards the middle slash end of of his had a similar experience. And, you know, how do you connect with that? And to me, like, that's, that's what this is all about. Right. I mean, when it comes to, you know, what we struggle and what we deal with, uh, we're all connected in some sort of oneness, you know, so to speak. And, and how do you turn that struggle, shared struggle or shared, you know, experience into something, you know, that you can, you can really make a difference with. So then what do you, what do you see yourself doing? What would be your like dream and goal for, you know, you know, graduating and eventually, you know, getting a higher degree in this and helping people that what would be your dream and goal for all of it? That My dream and goal would be working at a VA specifically with the military one-on-one. Yeah. And I mean, I, I laugh for, excuse me for lack of like knowing, like, but um, is that like a whole, I mean, anytime I hear like hospital and VA hospital, like, you know, it's like, like one specific and maybe just like anything else with mental health, like maybe we'll talk about that, you know, but unless it's severe and like, then you see it on the news for the worst end of the situation. Is that like a whole. So like you have your or or area. A lot of times psychology is considered a medical field um, because it's a science, but as far as the VA goes, usually like you have your your medical side where it's like physical um elements or illnesses because once you're in the military and then like after like when you're released you basically report to the va for all your medical medical needs because all of your doctors and insurances through the government and the the veteran affairs offices so then aside from like the hospital part they also have a mental health section that's not, it's kind of part of it, but a little bit more like separate. Um, yeah. So like, it's still within the same building, depending on the, the VA, because every VA is different depending on your state. But for the yeah. majority part, it's usually one in the same. One in the same. Does it, does it seem like it almost is taken a little bit more seriously because it, like these individuals have been through like the most traumatic situation possible i feel like for a human being do you feel feel like the va hospital or you know like hospitals like that for lack of better you know like rather than just lump it into them specifically do you feel like they take it more seriously the fact that somebody's struggling with their mental health or does it feel like it's just the same as if you you know you went to your you know your local therapist or online therapist or whatever the case may be unfortunately it's pretty much the same if not worse same yeah i think that a lot of times mental health no matter who you are or your background really isn't taken seriously. And so yeah. it unfortunately sometimes gets to the point where it needs to be taken seriously. Um, yeah. And then at that point, there's not much you can really unfortunately do. So I think for when it comes to the military, I think people almost look at it like, well, you were in the military. Like 
you shouldn't have that yeah. problem. You did this and you were tough. And I think people just get the wrong like image in their head. But yeah. at the end of the day, they're still human beings and they still like, they still have emotions and yeah, everything. And you went through, I mean, and, and I feel like that's the one that like, you know, when you hear it, you're just like, oh, and uh, you know, at the same time, hear it and know that like the PTSD came from the fact that you were in the military or, you know, served in the armed forces in some way, shape or form that it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I don't really take mental health seriously any other day, but like I will with this right. one. So it's interesting to hear that, like, you know, it's still, even though we unfortunately like put a label on that one, that I feel like that labels the most it's take, taken the most seriously out of all mental illnesses Absolutely. because of the fact that you can see that, Oh yeah, I understand that they were in, you know, they were overseas in war. And of course they have, you know, this, this, and this going on, but to hear that, you know, at least from your perspective, it seems like it's no treated no differently or viewed at no differently. I mean, it speaks volumes, yeah. right. To the, absolutely to how much we still are, are behind and, and what we need to, to understand. Um, so looking back through, you know, your journey from age three, like on the way till now, um, what would you say is the, the, the guiding light, the, the, the advice that you take with you almost every day to keep, you know, keep moving forward, keep finding a reason to, to do this, you know, to, to, to help other people and, and be with other people through those struggles. Yeah. So, um, kind of interesting because we just did a project in my, um, interpersonal communication class, actually very similar to that question. So my entire life, my mom always used to, I grew up watching like Disney movies like The Lion King is my number one all-time favorite movie so my mom right. when after like <laughs> um like my brain surgery and everything else when I was trying to relearn everything they would use yeah. things that I was drawn to to try to teach me because they realized that that's how I was gonna remember and I would sure, and at three sure, sure. nobody when you're three years old you don't really have the attention span to just sit there and have things like lectured at you all the time so you're you don't really mm-hmm. care <laughs> even when you're in a hospital. Yeah. So for me, my mom found different ways that, that helped through music and different things like that. So yeah. my entire life, even up to today, my mom will, she uses a quote from the movie and the quote is remember who you are. And it's what Mufasa tells Simba when he's talking to him yeah. in the one scene. And when I was younger, I used to be like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. Because it didn't register like it would now. Yeah, it's just a cartoon, guys. Right. Like, sorry. And now that I'm older, I, I look back at that and I'm like, you know, she's right because everything that happened in the past is what made me who I am now. So for me, even though yeah. people be like, oh, that's horrible. Like, I can't believe you did, like, went through that. I'm like, it's okay, though, because it's what life had in store for me. So I think for me, when I look at what I want to do now, I'm like, when I look back and I remember everything and I'm like, I can help people because I'm still here. Like, that's what I feel like I was meant to, to be able to do. Thank you to Maddie for taking the, the time to share her story of inspiration in the face of childhood cancer. If you love hearing these stories and want to get them in your ears sooner than later, Head over to our newly created Patreon page where you'll receive episodes a week in advance along with supporting the show and all that comes along with advocating for better mental health education. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background music by Chad Lawson. The stories, though, they're absolutely all yours. 
So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory to learn all about this wonderful project. If there's something that resonated with you today, tag at StorySharingPod over on Twitter as well as Instagram and let me know what you thought. As always, thanks for tuning in and I look forward to hearing your story one day because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung.